Before we dive into this episode of The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, listener discretion is advised as this podcast deals with murder, domestic abuse, coercive control and stalking. For exclusive interviews, bonus episodes and the case file deep dive, head to the Patreon. Details in the show notes. Now, let's get started. Previously on The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, Brenda's security awareness when she bought her new flat... There was a concern about her husband, is that? Oh, yes. And she seemed focused on the security chain on the door, is that right? Yes. Kit's friend told the court he showed him how to break in through a window. I had learned how to take windows apart systematically so you release the pane of glass in its entirety. And a neighbour heard Kit begging to be let into Brenda's flat the night before she was killed. It was somebody pleading with Brenda to let him in. It's taken 45 years to bring a killer to court. And for the first time in UK history, you'll hear the full murder trial and witness justice being done. It was a brutal murder of a brilliant woman who was a rising star in genetic research. It would now be almost like a script from Morse. The investigators swarming over the, the dreaming spires of university land. There was kind of palpable feeling of evil in the air. I was told it was just a massive blood in here. Two decades on from confronting evil. So did you kill your ex-wife Brenda Page? Evil is being confronted by the law. Did you kill her? No. She knew it was coming. He said he was going to kill her. If he killed her, he would do it so that nobody would know. Will his true nature be unmasked? Are you familiar with the tale of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde? And can Brenda's own words help secure her killer's fate? A letter of a death foretold. This is the storyteller, Naked Villainy, written, produced and edited by me, Isla Traquere. We're still on day three of the trial, and they were to get through multiple witnesses in the time they had left. But before we get back into the evidence, I'd like to take a moment for you to hear from someone who knew and respected Brenda. He was also Kit Harrison's boss. Professor Hamish Keir took part in the documentary 20 years ago. He was the former head of biochemistry at Aberdeen University and died aged 81 in 2013. You'll hear the voice of my late boss, DJ McDonald, asking the questions. She was a very attractive young lady, uh, comely, statuesque in appearance, an excellent conversationalist who could engage your interest and respond constructively to uh, the, the matters under discussion. Uh, she also had a twinkle in her eye and uh, an excellent, uh, though not ribald, sense of humour and we enjoyed her company very much. Professionally, she was very well regarded in the Aberdeen scene, but I understand also on the national genetics scene, her work was concerned with uh, enhancing the appearance of cell chromosomes so that she could make judgments, I think notably on fetal abnormalities using a technique called amniocentesis. And she was quite renowned for that. 
and uh, there was a satellite department of the Department of Genetics, which was in Old Aberdeen, a satellite department at the medical school in Forrester Hill. So you'll see the connection between fetal abnormalities and uh, genetics. The science is called cytogenetics. Now, on a professional level, you probably knew Kit better than you knew Brenda. What was he like? Uh, physical appearance, tall, thin, angular, striking. You would look at him twice in the street. Uh, academically, I would say extremely intelligent. Uh, I engaged him to be a research fellow in my own laboratory, uh, which had about 20 research scientists in it, because he persuaded me of a certain line of research involving chromosomes that this would be worth pursuing, and much of our research thrust was based towards DNA, how DNA is made in living cells. So we had a, an interest therefore in chromosomes which contain DNA. And he came up with an idea which we pursued and it was wonderfully successful and was published in a journal called Nature, one of the most distinguished journals in the world. Uh, and his work sharpened up chromosomes for scientific examination under the microscope. Extremely successful, very clever man, um, interesting at times. I got on quite well with him, but I, I found by accident that he was not particularly in tune with the personnel in my laboratory and um, we had some difficulties with him. Can you elaborate on that? Well, it, it, working in a laboratory with 20 graduate scientists in it means access to advanced equipment and uh, therefore booking your time on it. And uh, Kit was so eager to get to the heart of his scientific problem that he would not follow the, the queue, went to the front of the queue and upset some of the people. Now, what was the reaction among you and within the academic community when you heard Brenda had been found dead? Yes, well, I can remember that rather vividly. My wife met me on the day after the event at Aberdeen Airport and she told me of this and I was completely shocked. And she drove me into my department in Marshall College where of course my colleagues were there uh, and they just learned of the event and it was clearly greeted with shock, horror and total abhorrence uh, because she was such a nice young lady and uh, nobody could come to grips with uh, what the future held at that stage. The death of Brenda was a huge blow to her vital work pregnant colleague and close friend had to step into her shoes and you'll hear from her later when she gives evidence in the trial. I hope you noted what he said about Kit's knowledge of DNA, something very few people knew of at that time and it did not form part of forensic examinations of crime scenes. We'll return now to the court case. The next witness after lunch was George Narrow, known as David, a 70-year-old structural engineer who was contacted by Brenda over the possibility of getting a kitten. He told the court he and his wife had split, 
so they didn't adopt a cat. But he and Brenda developed a close friendship. Did you form a friendship with Brenda Page? I did, yes. And from time to time, did she ever raise any concerns about her safety and well-being? Yes, she did. We had very long telephone conversations through probably the majority of November, uh, backwards and forwards, uh, where she was very supportive of my situation and talked about her situation. Yes. And uh, she said that she was very uh, concerned about her uh, relationship with, with her, with her ex-partner, uh, ex-husband. You say in, sometime in November, is that still 1977? 77, yeah. Yes, all right, thank you, carry on. And, and what was the nature of the concern that she expressed? She was concerned for her physical safety. And she was very worried that he might injure her or, or, or indeed kill her. She asked me in one telephone conversation if I would uh, promise to tell the police if anything happened to her that if it may look like suicide, it was not suicide. And I, I said, well, that would be ridiculous. That's not going to happen. But she was absolutely adamant that I promised that I would do so. And... How was her demeanour when she told you this? Um, calm, but uh, very um, forceful. She, she wouldn't let me not promise. Did you ever make any suggestion to her about how her personal security might be improved? Oh, I think I made a comment at the time, although I, this is a long time ago, that uh, she, if she was in a situation where she was uh, you know, being attacked by her husband or any man for that matter, she might want to have something to defend herself with, but I, it was only a sort of casual comment that along the lines of, as a woman, you'd have difficulty uh, in a situation like that. Did she ever make any reference to her ex-husband turning up at her flat, for example? She did, and she also one time phoned me in the night to say that she'd heard noises outside and was very worried that it was him. Uh, but nothing came of that. Do you know what year that would be? Well, it was the same year. I mean, this was all uh, in within a matter of <clears throat> months. I only knew her from that uh, October 77 until right. February 70, uh, 78. We know that the date of her divorce was the 27th of October 1977. Mm -hmm. uh, so are you telling us that these conversations were taking place in the following month? About that time. To be honest, I can't remember exactly when. Yeah. It certainly wasn't before October. I would say the end of October, and it was certainly during November. So we're yes. telephone conversations then. Thank you. Did you ever see any injury on her? She had a scar on her scalp, which she changed her hairstyle to cover, which she told me was caused by her husband pulling her hair out. Do you recall when she said that to you? At some point in, I would suggest, November. Yes. She showed me it. Did she ever make reference to Kit turning up at the flat? I, I, to be honest, I can't remember, but I think she did. My memory is that she did, yes. and that she wouldn't allow him entry. Did you ever visit her at her property in Allen Street? Yes, I did. How would you describe the cleanliness of the flat? I would describe it as a normal home. It was always very tidy, um, not overly so. She had two cats, uh, and um, 
my abiding memory of the cats is they had their litter tray under the dining table. Um, but they, she was, you know, no, everything was very tidy and very clean, yes. Was she security conscious at all? Yes, but not in a overly concerned way. But she would, she would always make sure things were locked and yeah. windows were shut, etc. All right. Thank you very much. It may not have been obvious from the questioning, but you'll hear later that Mr Nara was briefly Brenda's boyfriend, or at least considered that by people who will give evidence later. The next witness was a former colleague of Brenda's, lab technician Hazel Narrow, now aged 68. D did you have a working professional relationship with her? Yes, in a very friendly way. Yes, and in addition, did you become friendly with her? Um. It's more, I was accepted as part of a team. Yes. Did she ever express any concerns to you about the nature of her relationship with her husband? I was present when things were said, which definitely indicated difficulties. They refer to the statement she gave to police on the day Brenda's body was found. Does it say this? About a month ago... She spoke of changing the locks on her doors of her flat. Yes, and it does. I never asked her the reason why, because I did not want to think, I did not want her to think I was asking too much about her private life. Is that right? Yes. And did you say that to the police? Um, I, I don't remember. Right. Do you see it's in the document written there? With yeah. your signature at the end? Yes, my signature's at the end, so I, I must have said it. W would yeah. you accept that? Yes, I do accept that. Well, you don't remember it. Do you accept you did say it? I do. And when you spoke to the police, did you tell the truth? Yeah, I did, yes. yes. All right, thank you very much. The advocate deputy may have just had one point to raise with Mrs Narrow, but her cross-examination was to be far more robust. Mrs Narrow... The, when you spoke to the police in July of 1978, at least according to the date, I think, on the, the statement, I think that was the actual date that Dr Page had not turned up for work. Yes, that it was correct? the same day. So it was the, the very day. The very day. Yeah. And as well as knowing Dr Brenda Page, did you also know her husband? No, I had seen him. And met him? <sighs> to the extent he had come in the lab and been watched me doing karyotyping and commenting. Sorry, he'd watched you doing? He'd watched me, what we did with chromosomes on photographs, he'd watched me doing it and commented to Brenda that I might need some help. I think that's the only time I ever heard him speak. Separate... I didn't actually meet him. You know, I think he knew who I was and I knew who he was. Right. Separate from anything that you may have either heard directly from Dr Brenda Page or anything you might have overheard her saying, did you form a view, so far as Dr Harrison was concerned, that he was nice, kind and gentle? When I saw him, he was very, very reasonable, yes. But, but no, I wasn't um, 
happy in his company. Well, is that right? Yeah, that's right. The, the document, have you still got production 197 in front of you? I have, yeah. Does it say this? When I met him, he was very nice, kind and gentle. But on hearing deceased speak about her husband, you would think it was a different person. Well, I don't recall seeing it like that, definitely. But I did say that he appeared to be quite polite and, you know, appeared to be asking her to help me. But then it's not a lot to go on. It's not a lot to go on, but you've already said, I think, to the Land Advocate Deputy, the gentleman that was asking you questions before me, that when you were speaking to the police, you were telling them the truth. Yes, I was. Presumably that applies to all of the statements. All of it, yes. Yes, and on that one occasion, he did come over as quite a nice person. Nice, kind and gentle. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put gentle in, no. Well, you did. Did I? Okay. <laughs> well, we just read it. Or, all right, all right, sorry. So, th these I, are... Well, as I say, I'm not convinced, yeah, that it was written in my exact words, but definitely the gist of it is true. Well, the, the police... Presumably were there to take a statement from you. Yes. About what you knew insofar as Dr. Brenda Page was concerned. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they've obviously specifically been asking you about her husband and what you knew, if anything, about their marriage. Yes, yes. Uh, and the words that appear in your statement one would imagine, are words that the police have got from you rather than made them up themselves. That's what you would anticipate. Yeah, well, OK. Yes? Yeah, fine. Uh, and at the end of giving that statement, you have, as the Leonard Advocate Deputy has already pointed out, signed it. Yes. So, what you saw so far as Dr. Harrison is concerned, and I appreciate you weren't in his company a lot. Well, I only was the once, and it was for a couple of minutes. So well, it's probably not... I couldn't really give much of a reference to him at all. Except you did. Just Well, that did. I, I, I described how he was in those couple of minutes. And you had enough, I suppose, of a view to comment that what you saw in relation to Dr. Harrison as opposed to what you heard from Dr. Page made it appear as if it was a different person. Again, your words. Yes? Yes, if I said that, yes. Now, in... At the time you gave this statement, which, as we've discussed, was the actual date of Dr. Page's death, on the 14th of July, at that point in time, shortly before her death, had she stopped discussing matters in relation to her husband? I think so, yeah. Did you form a view that she was still seeing him? It's very hard to recall, but no, I didn't form a view that she was seeing him, no. 
same document as we were looking at before. Just lately, she stopped speaking about her husband, but, and if we go on to the next page, it says, but I think she has still been seeing him. Now, first of all, is that what it says? It says that, but to be quite honest with you, I do remember this first page. I don't remember this second page. So I'm afraid that's just the way it is. I just don't. Sorry, I, I don't understand what you I, mean. I, I don't clearly remember this saying this. I'm sorry, but I just don't. You don't clearly remember? Saying this. I don't remember saying it, and I, I don't remember this page at all. You, you don't remember the page? Well, this, it, it doesn't read like how I would have said something. Well, you, you remember the but page the, when it talk, spoke yeah, about changing yeah, because, the law? Because you're be, being so particular about the words and the wording of it, I'm not convinced these words are my words. You know, they're the gist of it. Okay. Well, let, let, let's live with the gist of it for the moment. The gist of it is that she stopped speaking about her husband, but you think she's still seeing him. Well, I'm it's, not sure that I said that, to be quite that, honest. That's the gist of it. Well, I'm not quite sure that I said that. Well, there may have been a mention of him or something, but... It may have been I what, know. sorry? I don't know. I, right. didn't, I just didn't catch what you said. It may have been... I, I don't know. I, I'm really puzzled at, the, at that statement. Well, it, it's a long time ago. It's a very so long time there's, ago. There's the first issue, part. I remember some things very clearly, very dramatic things I remember, and I remember strange things that were said, but I don't remember seeing this in this way. But you signed the statement. Well, yes, I have. I just, is this the same sheet of paper, you know, or what? I just don't know. There's a discussion to confirm each page has the same statement number and the sentence from page one continues on to the next. Well, it's the same page as you agreed with the Landed Advocate Deputy. You told the police about... Or I, I, am t I am telling you that I don't remember seeing those words. Well, it, it's perhaps not necessarily a question of whether you remember saying those words. You accept those words appear in your statement. I do, yes. You seemed quite happy to accept that you were doing your best to tell the police the truth when you were being asked questions by the prosecution. Yes, yes. So what's changed? Nothing's changed. I'm just not happy about the, the emphasis being put on certain things, which I don't think's right. Oh. But the, 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 the emphasis is not really the issue. The question is whether or not you said them. Well, I don't remember seeing them. But so if we assume that this statement is correct, and we have to because the first and the last page are, you know, it's got my signature and it's got my address and everything at the top. So, OK, but I'm, I'm very puzzled. That's all I can say. Well, can you explain why the police have noted down in a statement which, to all intents and purposes, appears to be from you, have said that you think she was still seeing Dr. Harrison? I don't know why I said that. Can you think now, and again, I appreciate it's a long time ago, why you might have had that impression? Something might have been said, some comment somebody might have made, but I don't know the detail. Were you aware when Dr. Page was your boss that 
she was also working as an escort. Well, I didn't know it for a fact, but <clears throat> I certainly thought she was because there was an advert in the paper and she was asking everyone in the lab what they thought about it. And I think she meant she got positive reactions from people. And then not very long afterwards, her social life improved and she was chatting about going out for a meal and things. And we were all very pleased for her. Uh, and did she discuss the people who she went out with? Um, in, in, a, um, in a way that didn't identify them, she did. Did she discuss them by nickname? Yes, she did. Was one of those nicknames Volleyball? Yes, it was. Did you know why? No, I didn't. Thank you. Are you Sarah McIntyre? I am. Tell us your age, please. 73. Are you now retired? I am. What was your occupation? I was a professor at the University of Glasgow. Did you come to know Dr Brenda Page? I did. Did you know her former husband, Christopher Harrison? Yes, I did. Did you ever meet him? Yes. And was he also known as Kit Harrison? That's how I knew him. Did Brenda Page ever express any concerns to you about Christopher or Kit Harrison? Yes, she did. And when did that first occur? On two occasions. One was I had lunch with her in, I think it was August 1977, uh, with uh, a mutual friend, Janet Cameron. During that lunch, she said she thought Kit had been following her in her car. She thought Kit had broken into her flat. This was in Allen Street. Um, she expressed anxiety about her safety. Okay. Do you want me to go on? Or? Yes, please. Um, she also explained that she had recently painted up her window frames. Her flat was on the ground floor. She thought he'd broken into her flat. Uh, she had painted up her window frames um, rather than putting a lock on them, I think, on the grounds that he would not be um, antagonised or inflamed by her painting them up because he would think she was a stupid woman who didn't know how to uh, paint window frames without them getting stuck. She also expressed uh, anxiety about him coming in and my boyfriend at the time worked for a builder and I suggested that my boyfriend could come in and make her door more secure, but she declined that offer. Okay. Did she ever make any reference to violence? Yes, I think on that occasion she told me that when they were living, I can't remember where they were living before, was it Mile End somewhere? Yes. That they had had an altercation or a quarrel and I think he had hit her. She said she left the flat and had to be escorted back by the police to collect her belongings because she was scared to go back after that altercation. Did you ever meet with Kit Harrison and have a discussion about the relationship? Um, I met Kit Harrison on a number of occasions because he was a friend of my flatmate, Janet Cameron. Uh, I met him at first socially, maybe at parties or in the pub among other groups of people. I think from about 1976, um, 1977, he used to drop in at my flat. Um, I should explain that at a leaving party for Janet Cameron, when she left Aberdeen to go to Glasgow, Kit was present and he had become upset and belligerent 
um, and angry and, in fact, had shut himself in the uh, bathroom and locked himself in. Um, he then slipped out later on. We didn't see him go, and he'd phoned to apologise. So on that occasion, I uh, saw him as being quite aggressive, quite violent. He phoned a few days later to apologise. He said he'd left because he was afraid of becoming violent. And were there occasions when he was perfectly kind and considerate? Yes, he was a, a courteous person. He had been kind and considerate. And on that occasion, for example, he phoned and apologised. There was also an occasion when he came to my flat where he asked me to phone Brenda because she wouldn't take phone calls from him. I think at that point there was a restraining order or whatever it's called. She wouldn't accept calls from him. Um, I didn't want to phone her uh, to ask her to speak to him, but he was very persuasive. He said he loved her and he wanted to talk to her and he wouldn't harm her and he was quite persuasive. Against, in retrospect, my better judgment, I phoned her and said, um, Kit is here and he wants to talk to you. Um, Do you know when this was, just broadly? In terms of a sequence of events? Uh, or the year and month, if, if that's possible. I think it was probably either in late 76 or early 77, but it might have been, it might have been after that lunch with Brenda. I can't recall, I'm afraid. Um, she said she didn't want to speak to him, and I told Kit this. He was very upset and, again, was quite persuasive. Yeah. Um, before we go on, did, did she give a reason uh, making reference to any court order, for example? She said she didn't want to speak to him and she had a restraining order against him. All right. And so, she just didn't want to speak to him. So on this occasion, Brenda <laughs> Page told you there was a court order in existence. Is that right? Yes. Uh, you, you describe it as a restraining order. I, I, I can't remember oh, the correct term. It's all right. It may be an interdict or something like that. Interdict, I can't remember. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, just, that but, helps us, perhaps. But I think other... Kit had also told me that the reason he was asking me to phone her was that he couldn't phone her. Yes. Because he was restrained from phoning her. Yes. So he wanted me to phone her. Yes. Later that evening, after he had been um, very upset, very anxious, and said he wanted to speak to her, he said he wanted to meet her in a a public place where there would be witnesses. He wanted to talk to her. I actually phoned her back and she did agree to talk to him. Yes. Did you meet with Kit Harrison to impart this information that Brenda did not wish to speak with him? He was still in my flat at the time. So he was in my flat. I went and phoned her. I said, she doesn't want to talk to you. He then um, tried to persuade me again to phone her, which... Again, I did. On that occasion, when I phoned him, phoned her the second time, I think she felt embarrassed about me being in that situation. Yeah. And she said she would speak to him uh, if I stayed in the room. I stayed in the room for a while, and it all sounded quite um, amicable, so I left the room. But then I heard Kit's voice raised and uh, quite a lot of anger or anxiety on part of his voice. I obviously couldn't hear what Brenda said. How was Kit Harrison's demeanour in, in this situation? A, a mixture of distressed, a distressed, distressed about Brenda. He wanted to talk to her, um, but in a way quite charming and pleasant to me. Yeah. Did he express any affection towards Brent, 
our page on this occasion to you. He said he loved her. He said he loved her. Did he seem distressed, at least when it was said that he was not able to speak with Brenda Page? Yes. Was there any reference to Brenda Page seeing someone else? There were two references that I recall. On the occasion I went to her flat for lunch, I went with my friend Janet, who was back in Aberdeen for the weekend, it was a Sunday lunch, and Brenda had laid four places. And she joked that Kit would probably gate crash and accuse us of having a lesbian orgy because he had previously accused her of having a lesbian relationship with a female friend with whom she went to concerts. The other time, I think, was possibly the time he was around at my flat about the phone call, or another time, and he said she had a boyfriend in Edinburgh, and she was very jealous. He didn't specify anything else, just that she had a boyfriend, but he made it sound very definite that he knew she had a boyfriend in Edinburgh. Did he say how he felt about that? Jealous and angry. That she Jealous should, and angry. That she should do that to him. Do you remember what he said? I can't remember exactly at the moment. Was this something that you spoke to the police about in 1978? Yes, yeah. probably. And I was probably more accurate then because obviously it was nearer in time to the events. Yes. Now, does it say this? At the same time... He spoke angrily about her association and I think, although I can't be sure, he made reference to Brenda's boyfriend from Edinburgh and suggested that she didn't want to see him, in brackets, Kit, close brackets, because she was with the boyfriend. Does it say that? Yes. Did you say that to the police? Yes. And was that true? Yes. Does it conclude? He said he couldn't bear the thought of any other man being with her. Does it say that in the statement? It did, and I signed that statement at the time as being correct in terms of what I had said, so that is correct. Thank you very much. Professor McIntyre. So far as the occasion when... Dr. Harrison came to your house. The timing of that, would I be right in saying that was around about the time he was completing or had just completed his thesis? I think so, yes. And would that have been around about the end of 1977, the beginning of 1978? Yes, I think so. And at that stage, so far as you understood from the conversation you were going to have in due course with uh, Dr. Page, relations between them were not particularly cordial. Is that fair? I had heard that she divorced him on the grounds of um, bad behaviour and I knew there was um, an interdict. So, yes, yeah. I knew there was bad feelings between them. Uh, and... So far as you understood, when Dr. Harrison came to uh, your 
flat, your property. Uh, he, he was, as it were, prevented by a court order from contacting Dr. Page. I think so, yes. And when he came to, to your property, am I right in saying that effectively what he wanted was you to contact her? Pretty much so, perhaps, that he did not get into trouble by contacting her direct. The impression I got at the time was nothing to do with any legal issues. It was to do with if she picked up the phone and he was on the other end, she wouldn't speak to him. She'd just put it straight down, whereas if I phoned her, she would talk to me. That was the impression I got. But presumably, if you to talk to her, you wouldn't have, as it were, been part of any deception. You would have said... I've got Kit here who yeah. wants to talk to you or something yes. of that nature. Exactly. And the idea would be that she might agree yes. to do so. At that time, so far as you understood it, was he planning on going away on holiday for a period, having completed his thesis? Yes. There were a couple of occasions when he... I have to say he came to my flat not just on that one occasion. He started dropping in quite a lot after that. So he would come and visit maybe once or twice a week and chat. Uh, one occasion he said he was, I think it might have been the same occasion, he was planning to go away on holiday. He's very stressed by finishing the thesis. There was another later occasion when I think he also said he was about to go away. In fact, he asked me to go and feed his chickens. But then he contacted me and said he'd got somebody else to do that. So on the, the, winding back a little bit perhaps to the occasion that you were talking about earlier on when he asked you to contact Dr Page, uh, initially were you reluctant to do so? Yes. But eventually, whether hindsight tells you something else matters not perhaps, but eventually you did contact her. Yes. And am I right in saying initially uh, she didn't want to speak to him? That's correct. And then on the same occasions or the same night, you've contacted her again. And there then was a call which took place between Dr. Page and Dr. Harrison. Yes. So far as you understood it, at the end of that call, had there been an agreement for them to meet? Yes. So far as you understood it, did that meeting take place? Yes, I phoned her later that night because I was rather anxious about it, whether there'd been any problems, and I got no answer, so I was even more anxious. She phoned me, I think, the next day or a couple of days later to say they had met and that I shouldn't feel too bad about having um, done those phone calls. Right. And so far as they were concerned, did they give you, as it were, their respective views of how that meeting had gone? No. What, was there not an occasion when Dr Harrison came round to see you, gave you a bottle of brandy and thanked you for your help and seemed to be in a much more positive and relaxed manner? That's correct. And that was after the meeting, as you understood it? I think so, but he... Yes. And so far as Dr... Page was concerned, did she in fact suggest to you that it had not been a good meeting? Yes, she said it had not gone well. All right. So one seemed to think it did, one seemed to think it didn't, on the face of it. 
Yes. You've spoken about an occasion when, in 1978, I think it was, that Dr. Harrison contacted you to, to look after his animals, but then told you he'd found somebody else to do so. From what you knew about the situation in 1977 and in early 1978, would it have been a surprise to you to learn that Dr. Page was having a picnic with Dr. Harrison in the back garden of her home? It would have been very surprising to me, yes. And if that had happened, then it would perhaps suggest things had become more cordial rather than less so. If that had happened and if I'd known about it, yes. I didn't know about it. Thank you very much. I think you'll agree that was a fascinating insight from Professor Sarah McIntyre, whose recall was remarkable and showed the complexities of an abusive relationship, duplicating and compromise, and even hiding things like cat sitting for Kit from her friend, a pattern you'll see repeated through other witnesses. In the next episode of The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, one of the last people to see Brenda alive says her meeting with two men at the hotel was above board. It was more like colleagues kind of meeting. Yes. The first police officer at the murder scene tells the court what he saw. There was a body of a female uh, face up lying on the bed. And Brenda's next door neighbour and colleague tells me about being asked to identify her body. And I remember seeing her hair was sort of kind of like matted with blood and sort of obviously injuries, um, injuries on the top of her head. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review as it makes a huge difference to guiding people to hearing this important story. This is an entirely independent production and your support is greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear exclusive interviews, longer episodes and insights, please head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. This is a piece of history and you are for the first time in this format witnessing justice being done. <laughs>